Before we get into our next episode, our guest would like to thank ASICS for supporting her trip to Japan and the U.S., which helped her to cover the biggest sports events of the year, the Olympics, the Manny Pacquiao fight, and the recently concluded U.S. Open. If you miss her sports programs, you can catch Diane Castillejo and Kenito Henson on their sports program, Played Right. And without further ado, here's our Diane Castillejo episode. Welcome to another episode of Post Game, ABS-CBN News Sports Podcast. Dominic Minor here. I work the sports beat of the ABS-CBN News website. Our next guest, we sought her out as early as back in June to talk about <laughs> tennis, <laughs> a sport that's close to her heart. Um, scheduling conflicts got in the way because she's really busy, but we finally uh, get her to join us for hopefully more than a few minutes Uh, welcome to the show, uh, sports broadcaster, Miss Diane Castillejo. Hi, Dom. Wow. Thanks for having me. I'm in such a high right now, having come from the finals of the U.S. Open Women's Singles Final. And I'm still in awe at the level of the game, the tenacity, the and you know, at the same time, the freshness of these two teenagers that have, wow, created such an interest in in women's tennis so mm-hmm. it, it was really fantastic to watch so up close yes actually uh, thank you very much for joining us even though it's near midnight there in new york and <laughs> yeah. history happened with uh, emma raducanu beating leila fernandez sayang lang we, uh, leila couldn't uh, finish the job but you know you've, you've covered a lot of sports events but what makes a grand slam atmosphere different from say, a Manny Pacquiao world title fight or an Olympics environment? You know what? Each of them have their own super special energy. I can't say that one is better than the other because the Tokyo Olympics was very different, but it was also an incredible atmosphere. I mean, there was no audience, but, you know, the the level of performance of every athlete, you know, I watched the track, the gymnastics, the of course, um, some a lot of boxing. I mean, the athletes were still performing at their best. And I was actually really impressed that that they could keep up their level because usually it's really the the crowd that can really raise your level in big, you know, in big sports stages. Right. But I guess these Olympians, they were just like so happy that the Olympics pushed through, right? And Uh, they didn't care. And also the Japanese organizers did such a great job in terms of uh, making the athletes feel that there was an audience. There was actually like sound effects of cheering and everything, like even in the in the big stadium. And then, of course, you know, Amani Pacquiao fight is always like super high energy in the arena. And uh, it was it was my first time actually covering in the T-Mobile arena. And it was jam packed talaga dom like not us there were barely any seats left and it really just showed how how people miss seeing Manny Pacquiao um, in action the excitement that he brings to the ring the energy that he brings and of course uh, everybody's really hungry for 
positive things and of course sports is like always positive it's it it brings such a great spirit to everyone even me just you know in a in a grand slam tennis event each one is unique the australian open the french open the us open and wimbledon of course has its own special special atmosphere but dito sa sa new york uh, it's it's actually my my first time to watch the the U, the us open live uh, in a long 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 time i actually played junior us open when i was like 17 years old so i mean it's been such a long time and you know you watch it on i watch it on television all the time but you know just being there on the center court in the arthur ashe stadium and the armstrong stadium with the crowd just behind you know every shot it's just ah uh, it's just magical sabi nga ni Lila Fernandez diba she described her her run at the US Open as magical but i think just to be in the event is, was mag- is magical i mean i was actually in tears watching these two girls in the finals because uh, i mean what they both achieved was just like really amazing emergency raducano dom came from the qualifying and i don't know if uh i don't know if you know but she she was ranked 150 in the world prior to the US Open that didn't even get her into the main draw of the US Open women's division because you have to be top 132 minus the wild cards minus the the qualifiers so you have to be like about top 105 to get in to the main draw she she went through the qualifying round she won three matches in the qualifying she didn't lose a set so Three matches after she won, pasok palang siya sa first round of a draw of 128, and then she won seven matches in a row without dropping a set. I watched a few of her early rounds because, well, uh, my son has a has a <laughs> is attracted to her. Of course, she's very good looking, right? And I was amazed at her, you know, the way she moves the ball around. She's the way she. The way she moves, like the, her contact point is always there. But what I was really, really impressed with was her, her mental composure. At at 18 years old, this is only her second Grand Slam. She played her first Grand Slam in June or earlier this year in Wimbledon, where she also came from the qualifying. And I mean, she got to the fourth round of Wimbledon. And if you saw her post then, I, I started seeing her in Wimbledon. I was like. Wow, who's this girl? Like really good build, good. You know, she moves so well, and like parang how mature on the court. And I was, you know, she wow, she's only like eighty. I think she was only seventeen at that time, or I think she just turned eighteen. But so I was telling my son, Matt, Matt, look at this girl, Osi Raducanu, like that. She's, you know, she from Great Britain, and so when she got to the fourth round of Wimbledon, she was ecstatic. You could see all her posts, right? But then you know to. To make it here to the main draw, and not to be, you know, to have that mindset that she wasn't satisfied just to make it, you know, considering you know when you start playing a Grand Slam, you usually you don't even get far, you know, like especially with players like with her ranking like 150, I mean you'll be happy just to qualify, but uh, you can you can see that her her mind is really made for greatness because, I mean she wasn't satisfied. Winning a round, two rounds, three rounds, getting to the quarter to the semis, but today in the final, wow! I mean, I was I'm flabbergasted. I mean, I'm really, really impressed. But you know, having said that, I'm also super impressed with Leila Fernandez. Okay, so check this out. She was ranked 73 in the world prior to joining the U.S. Open. Nobody, by the way, 
knew the names Leila Fernandez or Emma Raducanu, I mean, prior to this, prior to the second week, nobody would have picked them to be a champion or runner-up. In in two weeks, Fernandez beat two former world number ones. That's Naomi Osaka, right? And Angelique Kerber. Then she beat number five, Svitolina. And then she beat uh, Sabalenka, the six-footer. I mean, the, the, the hard-hitting Sabalenka. She was down and, you know, she's just so... He's just so feisty, so determined, and just like Raducano, she is so composed, you know, on the court. I mean, like today she was down a set and one zero and love forty, and she came back. They're they're both just made for greatness, really. And you can you we're gonna be seeing these two girls around for a long time, I think. Do you think that composure can be taught, or is that uh, uh, you're born with that? You know what? Composure comes with really with experience on the court. But normally, you don't get that kind of composure uh, until you've played a few years on the Grand Slam. You know, like you, even with men's tennis or, you know, you, you'll notice that uh, a first-timer reaching a final will never beat, uh, let's say, a Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer, or these guys who've had championship experience because the stage is just too big. You know, it's just like, it's too overwhelming to, to play on center court in the final of a Grand Slam. But these two have just defied all odds. They, they were really like, <laughs> I mean, everybody's like flabbergasted. Like, where did these two girls come from? And, you know, if you, if you listen to them, uh, like in their pre-interviews and their, and their post-match interviews, they're, they're always just saying like, well, I, I don't know how we did it, you know, but uh, it, it comes with a lot of hard work and a lot of good, having good people around you. You really, you really have to have the right people talking to you, saying the right things. But, you know, that composure that you is also something that's from within, from the player, because you can be the coach or the father, you know, saying as many things as you want, but if you don't have it from the inside, it's it won't be there. But normally, it really doesn't come this early. I mean, this is like really, it's really incredible. The thing that struck me most about Layla Layla's run in New York is how the crowd was just so drawn yeah. to her. What what was it about Layla that made you know the city fall in love with her? You know what it was? It's because she's so feisty, but yet in between points, even in the crucial points, she'll break out into a smile. She'll raise her hand. She'll pump her fist. She was like so genuine, so fresh, you know. I mean, not showing any, not showing any pressure. And the way she showed no intimidation against these big guns in women's tennis and just you know, just fighting out there like a tiger. It really, really endeared her to the to the New York audience. And actually today, I, I was thinking, I felt a little bit bad for Emma because the crowd was yeah. roaring for Lyla, for Layla, if you saw. Like whenever she, yeah. you know, she was up to one this, in the second set and they were like, yeah. And, you know, if you if you think about it, uh, Emma has, has achieved, like, a little bit more than than Layla in terms of coming from the qualifying. She won 10 matches, 10 matches without dropping a set, without even losing a set. Um, 
but it seems that the charisma of Layla really captured the hearts of the of of the New Yorkers. I mean, I was I you know I was sitting like in the center court and so many people were of course Maramirin fans see see Emma right super Damarin fans but you can see the heart of the of the fans were really for uh were really for Leila is it fair to say na because i seem to have been reminded of a certain senator Manny Pacquiao who goes out there is feisty fights you know 100% but he still comes out smiling and enjoying the enjoying the game is it fair to say na parang you got the same vibe out of uh, out of Leila You know what? You're right. I never thought of that, but now that you mention it, yeah, he just goes out there, gives it his all. You know, he's usually the smaller guy, like Leila. Leila's only five six. In in terms of women's tennis, she's considered small. You, I mean, against Kerber, against Vitolina, uh, against Sabalenka, you could see she's like, and her frame is very small, so she's definitely the the underdog looking in terms of. Size compared to her opponents, just like Manny's always shorter. But yeah, you're right. He comes out smiling, but super intense. And um, yeah, that's a very, very good uh, comparison, Dom. <laughs> Have you had a chance to talk to her behind the scenes apart from um, Leila? Leila, yeah. Oh no, I on- I only had the chance to talk to her uh, once after she beat. I think it was after she beat Sabalenka. Um, in the post-game um, interview uh, via Zoom lang. And I just asked her about uh, like her Filipino roots and what she knows about the Philippines because her mom is from the Philippines. Uh, and, and, you know, she said that she didn't really know much about the Philippine culture because, uh, well, she was born in Canada. Her mom was born in Canada and her dad's Ecuadorian. So uh, she said, Uh, what what she only knew about the Philippines was that uh, her lolo, at least she knew lolo, right? Which is the the dad of her mom, uh, cooked some Filipino food. She couldn't tell me the name, but uh, she said, "I just remember that it's good, and I hope that when I go back to Canada, uh, she'll she'll be able to try it." So the mom, the man, I was able to talk to her after uh, we were we happened to be sitting near in I think when she beat Kerber after she beat Kerber and I uh, she said that she's been to the Philippines twice only when she was a little girl and then also once in grade school but uh, pretty much her her life has been in Canada and the mom was also born in Canada and uh, she said she she didn't really cook Filipino food she was more trying to cook Latino food because she had to cook for her For her husband, yeah. You saw uh, Leila up close for for a few matches. What makes her special from a technical standpoint? Um, where your analysts have, uh, what makes her this really um, uh, special player in your uh, in your mind? Okay, so what I notice about her is that she hits the ball. Really early, she gets behind the ball. She moves really well. If you can see, like when the opponent is changing direction of the ball from cross court to down the line, she's she's always there. She's always ahead. Her footwork is very fast. She anticipates the ball really well, and she has very good shot selection. Like you'll notice, like sometimes she'll really whack her backhand, and she'll change the direction. Then she comes up with this beautiful, like surprise drop shot that really uh, catches the opponent 
um, off guard. And then also she has, when her serve is on, her serve is also quite good. She she gets a lot of points from her first serve. She had a few double faults today, but, uh, you know, she for for a relatively small player at 5'6", normally you can't really serve that hard. She really, if you watch her technique on the serve, she really um, gets low and then she springs up and really jumps up high. Um and then when she does get to the net, she's also quite effective. Uh, but of course, her specialty really is in the baseline. Her court coverage, she moves the ball so moves the ball so well. But I think the best thing about her is her is like her her court sense. She can really she can really sense where the ball is going, and she's she's there early and able to really um, to bring the ball to take the ball where she wants to. And like today. I think her most successful points were when she was hitting the ball on the rise, uh, trying to give Emma less time to to hit the ball. But as she said after the match, she had too many unforced errors today, and uh, Emma was Emma just took advantage of that. So uh, overall, she's she's really a uh, really just a very com- a very complete player, and I think that she's still going to improve. Dom, she's only 19 years old. And I was actually also able to uh, uh, listen to the interview with her father. Her her father is from Ecuador. He he wasn't here at the time, and he's a soccer player. And he was talking about how tough their workouts are. Like she says, oh, on Mondays I kill her. I really kill her. And he says he really focuses on fitness, physical fitness, and also also the mind. And you can tell because of the 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 toughness of the of the regimen that they go through. Because when you when you put your body through such stress and demand in training, you become mentally stronger because you go through the pain in training. So when when it's happening during a match, you can take it, right? So I always say that hard work in training gives you gives you confidence. If you if you take it easy in training. Then in the crucial points of the match, you're gonna magbibigay, magbibigay ka. You're gonna give in, but you can tell that uh, that she does a lot of a lot of hard work because she's very very tough on the on the court, especially when she's down. Like today, Layla saved like three match points. I think it was she saved three match points, and uh, yeah, uh, she played more than two hours in her last, what, three or four matches before mm-hmm. the final. Do you think fatigue kind of set in for her? Did you notice that? Did you get a sense well, of she Well, de- she definitely had much harder matches than uh, Raducano. Raducano, as we mentioned earlier, didn't lose a set. And she really had to battle it out in a lot of three-set matches against Sabalenka. So um, I I didn't really see her go down physically like she still had the same energy and the same step like her her speed but maybe i would maybe a little bit because maybe that was the reason why she made more unforced errors as she normally does because sometimes when you're just a little tired you're just not hitting you know not making the shots as you normally would but um I was actually also very impressed with her fitness because I, I never I, I never really saw her like breathing like super hard and 
she always had a had a, had a spring to her step and so it it was actually so close eh, dom actually if you th- if you if you look at the score it was 6462 pero as emma said i mean there were so many deuce games diba ang haba yeah. ng mga ng yeah. mga game hmm. so it, although the score looked dominant it was actually so hard fought i mean the the rallies were so long they were hitting the ball so hard in every direction, cross court down the line, running left and right. Uh, it was just so, so beautiful to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm no ath- elite athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but it must be challenging to just navigate, you know, the push and the pull of when you become or, or when you reach this stage of a tournament where now you're, you're a championship contender and you know more people will start to expect more from you the pressure will be greater but uh, how do you uh, want to see them balance enjoying the game while continuing to succeed because they're as you said they're you know 19 and 18 you know i think that one of the reasons why these two girls have become so successful is that you can see it with the way they play on the court is that they are working super hard but they're having fun like it, it's impossible to break out into a smile the way they both smile on the court by the way which is yeah. not you don't normally see in other players who are like all business you know like super True. serious like you you'll rarely see them break into a smile but i mean leila fernandez like today in the most crucial point she was actually like you know like smiling so you you can you can see that that they're enjoying themselves and emma the same right so um, in fact, after the match, uh, in the post in the post match press conference, they asked Emma, "Oh, how is your life going to change?" And they said, "Oh, I don't know. I'm just really just enjoying this moment, like right now. I have no idea what what to, what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, she. Uh, I'm just going to try to really enjoy every minute. And uh, Leila, you also saw that her sister, who was on the on the in the box with her mom was also like you could see she was always saying like smile smile and you know so they seem to have a pretty good uh, balance between um making life you know it's not normal if you're a tennis player but <laughs> somewhat normal <laughs> and I, I i give credit to the people around them for that because um if you if you if if the people around you are not keeping you balanced, then you won't be able to do that. But it seems that they really have the right people and are able to get them like not pressured. Because I was actually so amazed that they didn't really seem to have any nerves, Dom, if you watched it. Like normally, normally if you watch a a Grand Slam final, like for a first timer, normally like you really see the jitters. Sa kanila, parang wala. True. So yeah. it's like yeah. the way I see it is that they the way I see it is that you know some people are just made for greatness and they have that kind of <laughs> they have that kind of uh, I don't know mentality and heart and I I, I guess I, I I would really credit it to the to the people around them and if you notice Leila after every match they would always ask her okay so what's your strategy for the next game and she would say well I'm just gonna enjoy this win first tonight. And then I'll discuss strategy tomorrow because in the Grand Slams you have the liberty, you have the 
you have the liberty of having one day off. Unlike in the 1000s, it's like you play a match every day. So, um, yeah, so her dad, who's her coach, okay, that's another thing. Because normally it's so hard to have a parent or a sibling to be in your to be your coach because you know it's so serious they have to push you and then they have to be a parent and then you have to be a coach so it's very hard but with them it seems to be working so i mean and i can tell also from listening to the dad that he really pushes his daughter um but um he also did mention that part of the routine is let's say after she wins because he's not here they have this superstition i don't know if you did you hear that? I read that, the superstition, yeah. 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 That, uh, I don't know, the last time she was in a WTA final, the, the dad came and she lost, so he didn't, he didn't come, right? I, under, I believe they trained in Florida. They, she, they moved to Florida when she was 12 to get better tennis development. Um, the dad was saying that on the night that after her win, they usually like, oh, okay, they have some like celebration time. Like, you know, like they they give they have a call and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, great, you know, parang masaya muna and just enjoying the win, which is actually very important. And then uh, he said the next call is they say, okay, so this is what your routine will be tomorrow. This is what you're gonna do tomorrow for the day. You're gonna probably warm up, eat like this certain time lot. And then the next call is, uh, I'm sorry, then yeah, the, yeah, then the next call is strategy. And then the last call before they go out to match, he said it's just like a a father encouragement. So, um, yeah, I think the the dad really has a key role. Ito naman si Emma, her parents are not even here. <laughs> and then she said today, because uh, they asked her, oh, so have you talked to your parents? And she said, uh, yeah, uh, my, my dad's usually very hard to please, but today he was quite, he, he said, but today he said I did good. So uh, it's good. And, and then, you know, what struck me was she said, uh, you know, normally we don't talk about tennis with my with my parents, which we you know, which tells you why they can, you know, in uh, relation to your earlier question. So apparently they still have a normal, you know, somewhat normal uh, life, you know. So like she also said three weeks before, she only had three weeks to practice for Wimbledon because she was still doing her school exams. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how these two girls will will move forward. It, it's very hard to follow up a performance like this, but it seems that they have such a good head and they also seem to have a really good work ethic. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to be definitely seeing them, seeing a lot of them in a, in a long time. Yeah, two new superstars. It's so good for women's tennis, Dom, because normally, Absolutely. like, yeah. lately kasi wala na si Serena, wala na si Sharapova, o wala na yung, and then Osaka now, we don't know how, where she's at in her game. So, normally, we're just talking about Djokovic, like, can he win the calendar Grand Slam? Can can he beat Pedro and Nadal, you know, as to the most number of Grand Slams? But now, we have these two exciting vibrant fresh and uh charismatic players i mean i've never seen so many people like you know like screaming for for women tennis players so uh yeah it's definitely a good sign for for enough for women's tennis and 
I also wanted to say that, you know, with the success of Emma and Layla, it really shows, I was just telling my son after the match, we really enjoyed it, watching it together. Um, I was saying, you know, it really proves that in tennis, anything's possible. Anything's possible if you work hard. Imagine nobody gave these girls a chance. I mean, no one man in your right mind will think, how can a qualifier win at, at, you know, a Grand Slam, playing in her second Grand Slam? And how can someone rank 73, you know, who's, you know, never, who's hardly even known in the tour yet, right, to win a Grand Slam? So anything's really possible. And because the thing about tennis is um, there's no time limit. Right. I mean, if you think about it, the game could really go on forever if you don't give up. And I think it's really going to inspire a lot of players who are far down in the rankings and say like, hey, you know, if these girls can do it, I can do it, too. But, you know, you have to put in the time and you have to put in put in the work. And most of all, as you can hear both of them always saying that you need a good set, you need a good set of people around them to push them, to balance them, to talk to them in the right way, to, I mean, it just takes a, a big group to be able to, to make a, a great champion. And one more thing that um, impressed me about uh, Emma and Layla was, especially in the post-match uh, interview with Layla, she, uh, Mary Joy Fernandez was doing the interview She thought the mm-hmm. interview was over. Layla asks to, for the microphone back. And yeah. it's about 9-11. And, and that kind of g- gave me goosebumps because it really showed how aware she is and how well-spoken she is. And that's rare, right, for, for, for a teenage athlete to be able to know the right things to say at a, at a given moment. She's... She's been a quote machine the past the past two weeks. Super rare, super rare. I was like, you know, when she made that comment, I told my son, "Wow, this girl is deep." I mean, normally teenage tennis players, their whole world revolves around tennis. They don't know anything else other than tennis, right? And she even had the, like you said, the presence of mind to say, like, you know, you New Yorkers are so resilient. I really hope I can be like you and. I mean to be able to come up with that line it's at such a at such a moment I mean it really shows that she's not just uh an elite and incredible athlete but she's also a very good person and also you have to give credit to her parents for that because I mean you don't just that doesn't just happen it obviously comes with a lot of discussion in the house and everything So very, very impressed. And actually, Emma was also quite deep huh, in her yeah. in her in her post-game oh, yeah. interviews. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm telling you, these two girls are really going to bring up women's tennis because of their, their charm on the court and off the court. So super exciting. I'm so excited now. I hope I can go to more Grand Slam matches. <laughs> Hopefully to watch the, to watch the game. Yeah, hopefully the virus eases up by by January when the Australian oh. Open comes along. Um, oh my gosh, let's go to yeah. the let's go to the juniors uh, 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 tennis circuit. Uh, with Alex Ayala, what do you think makes her? Because in in you know in uh, based on her performance in Grand Slam, 
events, she's been amazing in doubles play. What makes her a special doubles player? Actually, you know what? The funny thing is, Dom, she's actually she's actually a better singles player. Okay, but I mean, these doubles wins have just come. I mean, they're not really like she's not really a doubles specialist, but she's been so successful in doubles. Um, I, I watched her play since she was like eight years old, and she's she really excels more in in singles. But it just so happened that in the last a uh, couple of grandsons, she's been really having good chemistry with her partner, and it's it's been really working. I watched her semifinals yesterday in the here in the U.S. Open uh, Junior Doubles event, and Sayang because you know they they won the first set. And then they were they lost the second, and then the third set was 10-7, the tie break. So the thing is, because in doubles, okay, in junior doubles, Grand Slams, I don't know if you know, but the scoring system is it's sudden death. So whenever it's deuce, whenever it's deuce, then whoever wins the next point wins. So that there, I mean, there's some luck involved there. And you know, like it, it, it can make a world of difference if you win some of those. Uh, if you win some some of those sudden deaths, and then the third set is also a ten a ten point tiebreaker. So it in doubles talaga it's anybody's ball game, eh? So sayang lang talaga. It's just that um they they missed a few they missed just a few points. Eh? It was it was so close. It could have gone either way. I, I thought they were gonna win. And then also in her singles, I also watched her quarterfinals against the Swiss girl. You know, Alex hits the ball like super hard from both ends, like forehand and backhand. And I, I, you know what happened that day in the quarterfinals? They ended up, they started playing at 7 p.m. She was waiting the whole day for her match because her match was scheduled at 2 o'clock, but it was raining that day. Yeah. And playing at night, the ball becomes heavier. And then because of the, 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 the humidity or whatever, the ball becomes heavier. So her ball, her hard-hitting ball, is not as as uh, damaging as it normally is during the day. And it favored the oh, opponent. Because yeah. yung, yung kalaban niya, this Swiss girl, also good, credit to her. She was the steady type of player. Yung binabalak lang yung bola. Very smart. Whenever Alex would whack the ball, she would... Uh, just bring it back deep with a little with a little height to give her time to get back in. So, um, major the time of play didn't favor Alex, but uh, the opponent did play quite well. The Swiss girl, uh, but I think Alex, we're really gonna be seeing her in the big stage very uh, very soon. Domino, she's only 16 years old. She just turned 16. She still she just turned 16 in May, and she's already well. She was number two in the junior. She'll go down a bit, but she's already like 500 in WTA, and uh, she she has the right people around her. Of course, she's bet- getting the best training in the Rafa Nadal Academy. Tony Nadal was watching her match, <laughs> so and then her. The head coach of the of the Nadal Academy that's assigned to her, Sidani, is also like super good, and they have they know exactly what to do. They know like how in, they work her really hard. 
they 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 take breaks they they have a mental coach they have a good fitness coach so for me it's just a matter of time and also i wanted to say about alex is that her mental game is one of her biggest assets she's very strong mentally she doesn't give up um and i think for me maybe next year hopefully she'll be able to qualify na for the Grand Slam Women's Division. <laughs> and I think you know, people are actually, uh, or casual fans or sports fans, are missing the fact that this is just her first year turning pro. So she has... That's this- true, no? Well, she, didn't she start last year? I think she started... Well, so there were just a few tournaments last year because of COVID. Yeah, so this would... Think, you know, yeah. She has a way massive room for improvement. If, if you have a to-do checklist for Alex... What do you think are the items that you think uh, should she check off at least before the year ends? Well, number one is her serve, okay. Because, but uh, we, I don't, we, we already, I already saw that in this U.S. Open that her serve has improved tremendously. They, they changed the motion a bit, so technically her serve is better. But of course, it takes time to build your confidence to be able to implement your new your new movement in a game, especially in pressure points. So her serve, number one, and they're already working on that. Um, number two would be her uh, mobility. Um, I think, uh, I mean, she's, she's, still, she's still young, huh? so she, she's already good. But if you're going to ask me, like, what other areas she can still improve is her, her lateral movement. Um, and then I think pretty much that's it, just her mobility. A little bit more her fitness and and the serve. I would say those three. It's been a learning experience so far for her. Is she in that right kind of uh, mentality towards uh, achieving a greater goal? Definitely, she has. For I, I really, she has the right mindset. She works super hard. She's very obedient to her coaches she i mean i remember when she was in break in manila last december i i went to one of her practices and she was still training four or five hours a day and then after that she would still follow the routine in the gym so she definitely has the has the right work ethic and then um you were asking about her mindset you know she moved up in the juniors super fast like she jumped to number two, like top five in the world, but like I think just last year. And uh, I remember talking to her about uh, the difference between playing juniors, people who are girls who are 18 and below and playing in WTA tournaments. So she was saying that in the beginning, in her first few tournaments in the, in the women's pro tour, she felt a little different playing against players who were older than her uh, as against playing against Uh, juniors who are like maybe younger than her about the same age so there was a little adjustment there but she adjusted like like super quick so and because she's been playing overseas for so long since she was eight or nine she won the maureen Connolly when she was 10 she's she's a she's actually a very seasoned player super seasoned player and you can see that in her game and and i love her i love her fight on the court you know even when she's down she she fights even when she loses the first set. She's very good in three set matches. Very tough in tie breaks. So, um, I I think she has all the ingredients. She has the she has the work 
empathetic. She has their a strong mind. She has the best people around her. Um, aside from her coach, I I believe they're also going to start adding a physio uh, to maybe travel with her because that's so important eh, to do the recovery of the muscles and the legs right after each match. And then she has the best parents also. Okay, Mike and Riza are amazing. They they're such they're so supportive. I mean, they they know what she needs. They also provide her with that uh, family sense. Uh, Mike was just in Spain just to have family around her because it makes a it makes a difference. Eh? Like after you're, you know, on the court with your coaches or your teammates, just to see like some family, it really really makes a world of difference for for these players. So she has the right support team, and I think she has the I think she has the drive because I I can see when you know when she's. I can see her fight on the court. It's it's definitely a champion's uh, mentality. So I'm so excited for Alex. Uh, I think only bigger bigger things are in store for her. And uh, I think we'll be cheering for Alex in the WTA Tour for a very long time. Just remember, she's only 16. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, she still has two more years in juniors. I mean, the whole next year and then the next, 2022 and then 2023, Pop. Pero, um, yeah, closest, as, yeah, it's the closest Filipino homegrown player in terms of just the chance to to win a Grand Slam in your well for yeah. women's, yeah, for sure. For men's, you know, it's super tough. The men men's game is like so different. I mean, it's it's very hard to win in the men's, but. Yeah, I mean, this is the closest for sure, homegrown. And then I think she went to the Nadal Academy at just the right time at age 13. So, uh, iba kasi yung, yung tennis mentoring in Spain. Eh. You know, my son was in Spain for seven months in a Barcelona tennis academy. And I, I noticed like after, even he was only there for seven months. But I noticed after that, iba na yung thinking. Eh. They have this, you know, it's like they're, they have a they have a winner's mentality talaga in, in Spain because tennis and football is part of their part of their culture they live and breathe for yeah <laughs> tennis yeah. and football it's like you know it's like i remember watching some of the trainings like the coaches are non-stop talking non-stop every shot they're saying something i mean they just have so much they just have so much depth in terms of their tennis knowledge and tennis experience and um you know then in the Nadal Academy, you have Rafa Nadal as your biggest inspiration. And I mean, they, they definitely know how to do things right. I mean, in this junior tournament in the US Open, the 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 boys champion, Rincon from Spain, uh, just won today. He won the junior singles title and he is a product of the Nadal Academy. So Rafa Nadal posted about him. So I think Alex is definitely in the right place for sure so if uh, if philippine tennis pala wants to um improve its ranks its players they have to go all the way to spain pala to make that happen <laughs> definitely i think that you can start playing in the philippines but if you really want to go high uh you really have to i mean go overseas i mean not just spain of course France has also really good tennis academies and uh, tennis um, excellence. And then 
Well, the United States is also producing some good players now. Um, and then a lot of Eastern European countries, like, you know, the Russian states and all that. Are, I mean, Italy also is a good place. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's the that's the way it is now. Because the, the tennis environment is so different in these countries where tennis is so developed, super developed, just, you know, the just the, the courts, the number of courts, the facilities, the the coaching, the people you you can hit with. In Manila, it's so hard to find someone to play with. Right? And then the number of tournaments. Every weekend, there's a tournament you can play. You can practice with multiple players, different kinds of players, level levels. It's you, The growth is just, it's just so different. So, yeah. If you really want to excel in tennis, for now, you definitely have to go overseas. You've covered three of the most important sports events uh, that involve a Filipino in, in the past five, six weeks since the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You, you, co- you went to Tokyo to cover the Games, and then you covered Manny Pacquiao, and then you're at the U.S. Open. Uh, what's been the most challenging part of of being in all these events in essentially 12 time zones in two months? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I mean, the last live sports event that I covered before the COVID pandemic was the Davis Cup of the Philippines versus Greece at P- in the PCA. That was March 2020. I remember I was so excited. We were so excited to have uh, Stefano Tsitsipas playing there. He was number six in the world, right? And I got to interview him and just, you know, just covering that event was just so exciting. And then everything went dead. So I was, you know, just doing Zoom interviews. It was, for me, it's, of course, horrible, if I might say, because, you know, I love being, I love being in, in you know in sports events but you know you just do the best that you can so to be to be to be able to go to the olympics to cover manny's fight and then also to be here at the u.s open has been such a joy it's been i think it's been very uplifting and um, energizing for me as well um difficult you asked about the difficulty well number one in tokyo grabe the, the health protocols i think grabe <laughs> so it's so different. Like covering is so different. Like, okay, so prior to the Tokyo Olympics, we had to have two negative PCR tests uh, within 72 hours of the flight. When we got to the airport, I think we were there for like three hours because of the all the different stations. You had to show so many documents. You had to do a, a test in the in the airport and just one thing after another. So that was just getting to the airport. And then um, there's... And then we had to get our hotel. It was actually a bubble in Tokyo where we could only go from the hotel, the accredited hotels, to the venue, and then also uh, to the athletes' village. So it was, and then and then we were tested every day there. We had test testing wow. every day. Yeah, and then because of because of COVID, also there was only one transport system that was allowed. It was like, I think there were maybe four taxi companies. So it was quite difficult to book them at times because of the language barrier. So, and then, 
just getting from one place to another was really hard. And then when you get to the venue, before ka makapasok, ang daming check, like, wow. And then yung, yung way of interviewing na after, like after the event, it's malayo, kailangan dito. So, it, I mean, it, it, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. And even like when I was in the main stadium, super big stadium, walang tao ha, walang tao. Mm-hmm. Pero sobrang higpit nila, you can only go here, you can only go here. Oh, you have to pass. Ah. It was like, it was, it's so difficult even just to get to where you need to, where you need to get. So, in LA, in the US, the money is very different. Super, super open. <laughs> Dito sa America, di ba? Parang walang, yeah, parang were, walang, nobody was wearing masks, maski to sa uh, T-Mobile Center, uh, sa fight ni Senator Hindi, sa, T, sa T-Mobile Center, in Las Vegas, the mandate was mask mandate lang indoors. Oh, okay. So, everyone was wearing a mask indoors, okay? But, um, outside, like, you know, outside there's no mandate like that. So, uh, it wasn't it wasn't as difficult in the U.S. because I I like I said here, uh, it's parang there's more freedom to move, but you just have to like you just have to take responsibility for your own. I mean, take care of yourself. You know, like means madadalaka like oh nobody's wearing a mask. You know, like here at the U.S. Open. Oh my gosh, Dom, have you seen like hardly anyone is wearing a mask? True. Yeah. And okay. and it's the kit, it's the kit, the kit, like entering the, you know, entering the the US, the Billie Jean King Center. It's like, you know, going down the Armstrong Stadium. It's like everyone's the kit, the kit. So um, but here parang it's uh it's it's like it's it's a bit normal. I mean it's like it's normal. You don't feel so much the you don't feel so much the COVID uh, um, challenge. So you just really have to be conscious yourself. Yeah, right. it's, it's refreshing though. I was, you know, I was, I was just commenting, uh, well, tennis is in full swing here. Sports is in full swing. How, how, how we wish that it could be that way for the Philippines because, you know, our athletes yeah. are really, really suffering, like super suffering. I mean, not, not just athletes, of course, but mm. all, all of us, all Filipinos are really having a tough time. But especially for the sports sector, because, you know, there's no collegiate sports. I mean, there's no grassroots, obviously, because young kids are not learning. They're not going to any training. So, I mean, it's very, very difficult now for an athlete in the Philippines. If you notice, a lot of our basketball players are playing in the in the, in the B-League in Japan because they need to get competition. So, really, really super praying that uh, things get better um, in the Philippines. And I can imagine uh, your feeling some uh, empathy for, for our athletes because your, uh, your show, Sports You, that's the focus, yeah. right? Just, you know, grassroots and the youth and, and Filipino athletes who are not being covered as much. Now it's just, you know, virtually zero activities and it's... Uh, Nobody knows when it's gonna go back to pre-pandemic levels of of, of uh, sporting action. Because I love sports, it really breaks my heart, and I know that as a former athlete, I know how much our athletes want to excel. And I actually take my hat off to all our Olympians who 
who really pushed and uh, persevered despite the the challenge. They all had to leave the Philippines, of course. Uh, all of them trained abroad. Our 19 Olympians, almost all of our 19 Olympians, except for our rower and I think our taekwondo um, athlete. So, I mean, it's just it's just so so tough to keep your sports dreams alive right now because you can't even play your sport. So what do you do? I mean, for now, I guess there's really nothing much they can do except just try to stay healthy, try to exercise as much as they can. And uh, I was just having this discussion with my with my son today because, um, I mean, if, if our athletes don't have the the capacity to be able to go abroad and pursue their sport, then pretty much there's, it's a hiatus, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a very long pause for them. And as you know, in sports, when you have a pause, it, it's very detrimental, right? Five years in Japan, he can't even like, after the Olympics, he, he couldn't even come home to see his family because he's training for the world championships again in, in November. So, I mean, it's it's a very tough time now for for Philippine sports, and I, I just hope that there was a way that uh, tennis, or that not just tennis, but sports training could be bubbleized. I don't know if there's such a word, but I know Isana, like each sport would. I mean, I know our cases are like very 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 high right now so it's quite dangerous and the focus is really just to stay healthy and covid free but if there was a way that you know that each sport could have a very uh secluded and focused training so that para hindi naman zero diba and then uh yeah para naman ano <laughs> but it's so hard to it's so hard to to talk that w- this way because you know people are fighting for their lives in our country. I mean, they're just like you know with family, whole families infected. So, hi, we just have to pray, you know, and and oh, ask God for mercy. Right. Really, ask God for mercy. Bubble ice is gonna, is a word I'm gonna use in my. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I have two more. I, yeah, I, I, I just two. I just thought of that word just now bubbleized training i just i just invented that word i know I, but i'm not saying it's a word it's i don't think it's a word but uh, okay um so i have two more questions before i let you go so you can um take your rest um after a, a, a long day based on what you saw in tokyo who do you think has or have the best shot at winning gold in paris oh my gosh that's such a it's such a long way away, you know, so many things can happen, but definitely I feel like Kaloy Yulo. Okay. I was, I talked to all the gymnastics uh, experts there from different countries. They're all super impressed by him. And I noticed that the winners were all like 25 years old, 26, like that. So he's only, uh, what is he? 19 or 19 or 20, I think 19 or uh I'm having a mental block right now, but so he still has a long way to go. And um, I think Kaloy definitely has a chance in the floor. And then of course our boxers, right? I think they're super inspired right now. Uh, Carlo Paalam, 
and Desti Petesho, Irish Magno, Yumir, of course, if he if he chooses to to still play in the Olympics, I know he's gonna try to do more pro fights. Um, who else is there? Uh, the, the, for some reason, the Olympics feels like a whole year ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because so like many things, so true. many things have happened. So many things have happened. Um, also in Egypt, well, Yuka, Yuka Sasso, Yuka Sasso, oh, Yuka, yeah, yeah. How can I forget? Yeah, Yuka right. and Bianca, of course. I followed Yuka for eighteen holes and Bianca in one round in the in the golf course. They have an excellent chance, but of course, golf is like tennis. You never know on that day. And then uh, EJ Obiena, wow, look, look at him. He just set a new a new personal record, a new Asian record, 5.93, right. right? And I'm so happy for EJ because after the Tokyo Olympics, he was so down, like super down. And he didn't know what to do, what was his next step. And I remember we were all just encouraging him, just go one day at a time. And I'm so happy for him because... The guy works so hard, Dom. He has sacrificed so much. He's been away from the Philippines, uh, from his family for for like two years, and it's hard uh, to live by yourself, you know, with just your your coach for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he has a good chance. Also, if he if he stays on, if he continues, and then who else? Who else are there? Um, well, I think that we will have more qualifiers. Because what happened in this Tokyo Olympics was a lot of the qualifying tournaments got canceled, if you remember. Uh, so I think that for Paris, hopefully, like the year before, there will be more qualifying tournaments. And I think that uh, we'll be able to have more athletes qualify. Oh, Marjolaine Didal, of course. You can't forget her. She's also a, She became a crowd darling uh, in Tokyo because she was also smiling. After she fell, like she was falling, and then she, she was still smiling and raising her hand. So, she also has a good chance. And I think, yeah, I think we're gonna see more qualifiers. I have to really get down and and study who else. But so far, those are the athletes that I uh, on the top of my mind right now. And of course, the million dollar question is: uh, Do you think Senator Manny? Is done with boxing. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's uh, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I've watched him train for over twenty years, Dominic. I am just still amazed that he's so ganado when he trains. He's so happy. Actually, if you see him on the in the ring and even just jogging, doing shadow boxing, parang yung talagang masaya siya. He's really enjoying. And as an athlete, I can relate to that because even if I'm super old already. I mean, I still love to exercise. I love to work out, and I get such a high, and I get I get so revved up whenever I work out. So with him, you can see it. So, parang masaya siya training. I know he was very let down when he, you know, when he lost. But hmm, you know, I thought to ask next, you because the you... next the next month the next month is going to be very critical. He's going to announce. I think uh, what posi- what uh, what office he will be running for um, in in the Philippines, uh, but I think I think he's not done in boxing. Personally, I don't think he's done because I don't think he wants to end like that, right? Be- uh, but let's see. I think there's I think they're talking about him having another fight in December, 
And I know that the coaches said, because prior to this, he, he didn't fight for two years, diba? So he, they got, he trained very long for this, uh, for this fight, like I think over three months. So normally he only trains like eight weeks. So, but since he's already achieved this level of fitness, if he fights, I think the target is like December or January. It won't take them that long to get him back up to uh, fight condition. So, but let's see. I think by I think by the end of September we should know whether he's gonna be fighting soon. But Segura for me, if ever he's gonna fight, mga one na lang, one or and then if ever a farewell fight. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's gonna be one of the saddest days in. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, a lot of I people know. take, you know, he a lot of our uh, countrymen, mga kababayan natin, they take for granted na, you know, Manny's just there. He, he's a constant. He he fights two times once a year. He's a constant, but but then when he hangs up his gloves and he's, you know, uh, moved on to the next chapter of his life, I think a lot of people will will really miss. The, the greatness and the honor and the pride that he gives to the country. Do you agree not with that? Just Fili- oh, yeah. Not just Filipinos because I can tell you, Manny has fans all over the world and when he fights, all nationalities are cheering for him. He's he's a universal. <laughs> he is universal, talaga. I mean, everybody everybody loves him. And yeah, you know, even just, just the energy that he has and the just the, the drive that he has. You know, watching him like just watching him is inspiring already in itself because of how 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 much effort he puts into it he's always 100% and you know when you when you watch him like that's why yung pagjogging niya dun sa Griffith Park ibang daming mga pinoy na nagaabandon just to see him right? just to watch kasi parang gaganahan ka talaga sa buhay mo when you when you see him like working hard it's it's impossible to be around him and not get inspired so Definitely, if he hangs up his gloves, a lot of people are going to miss him. And we're going to be telling story after story after story about how he beat all these giants in the game. You know, all these, uh, remember, he used to be called the executioner because he right. beat like the best Mexicans, Barrera, Marquez, um, uh, Eric Morales. Uh, you know, he, he beat De La Hoya. It, it, well, there's no one like him in boxing. I mean, True. for me, uh, for me, wala. I mean, wala talaga. I mean, no one's gonna ever beat his record, world champion in eight divisions. So let's let's you know. <laughs> for now, let's. Uh, I guess let's just be thankful, diba? I mean, dun sa ano sa last T-Mobile Arena. I'm sure you watched the fight. You heard everybody, diba, super chanting for him. Oh yeah, they were really. Yeah. You could they really see him. how much they missed him, and yeah, they really you could really see how much they missed him. Diane, thank you very much for your time. I know thank you. Super busy. Um, you're great uh, at telling other people's stories uh, with your sports <laughs> you program, but you're an even better storyteller yourself of your own experience um, <laughs> in the past uh, eight eight weeks. And I hope that uh, if the schedule permits, you can come on board again and share us more of your um, uh, behind-the-scenes stories of, of, uh, of your work and your globetrotting way, so to speak. <laughs> oh, I love doing this. I, love, I can talk sports all day, all day. Sports and fitness are my, are my love and my passion. I just really love being around sports events. I think it's one of the greatest gifts from God to be able to be 
uh, around sports because, well, it's positive and we all need positivity in this day and age, especially. God bless. Thank you so much for having me, Dom. We're giving you one less excuse not to listen to our podcast because, drumroll please, we're now on Spotify. Yay! Just search for Post Game by ABS-CBN News. And if you want to check out other ABS-CBN audio content, download the ABS-CBN radio service app on Google Play Store, on your Android device, and the App Store on iOS. But if reading articles is more of your thing, go to the ABS-CBN News website. That's news.abs-cbn.com. That's where we will post highlights of the podcast in text article format.